0: I'm Victoria Shepherd, and this is the Happy Henry's Wolf you podcast, where we get to find out a little bit about the people around us who work with, play with or know something about dogs. From the benign to the bizarre, I want to talk to anyone about anything dog related and share stories or useful information that will not just inform, but also entertain and possibly inspire you. Happy Henry's is a safe space for all dogs and their guardians and takes a more holistic approach to dog grooming, combining consent-based grooming, games-based training and owner education all in one place. So if you have a dog that struggles with being groomed and handled, or just life in general, we'd love to help. The topic up for discussion today is one that is close to my guest's heart, neutering or spaying of female dogs. I asked Dr Sophie Bell to join me for this conversation after watching a webinar she gave, plus the fact that I've had several clients recently ask about this. Dr Sophie has been a vet for over 14 years, is a qualified dog groomer as well as a well-being advocate. She's passionate about holistic health and considers the whole animal when treating and diagnosing. Animal Love Pet First Aid is her educational gig where she's developed several courses to help pet carers and pet professionals so that we can do the best we can for our animals. Sophie has several special interests, one of which is neutering and how it affects our dogs. Today, we're going to talk about female dogs, or bitches, for 30 minutes or so. If at the end you find you're itching to learn more and get more knowledge, I highly recommend visiting the Animal Love website and purchasing her webinar, it doesn't cost the earth and delivers in abundance. I can pretty much guarantee you won't be disappointed. It'll be the best money you've ever spent. And it's currently only £10. I'll add the web links in the show notes for ease. Now to the interview. Hello, Sophie. Hello, how are you? I am fabulous. How are you? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. No, thank you for inviting me on. Wonderful. So you've just got back, by the way, you look very well. Um, You've just got back from a busy couple of weeks
1: away. Uh, What have you been up to? So actually, funny enough, because the topic tonight is neutering, I've just been in Cape Verde and um, obviously there... One of the things is we knew to regardless. So I've been treating street dogs, strays, um, trying to help with sort of the population numbers and treat those that are sick. But I have to say, my impression was that quite a lot of them are fairly well looked after. They might be street dogs, but they're quite fat, quite a lot of them. So <laughs> it did amaze me at how well they actually were. Um, not all of them did come across some obviously some sad sites but it's nice to know there is a space for them to go to a nice rescue called OSPA that i were working was working with over that time who are taking great care of those that are poorly and also allow people to adopt them as well which is um fantastic
0: and do they get adopted worldwide or elsewhere where
1: they do um quite a few you know quite a few countries in europe mainly in europe and um a few back to the uk as well they on average adopt out around about 25 dogs a year. So it's not huge numbers. um, But they're a small charity. So I think it's great for the number of dogs. They have currently about 70 dogs in there. So I guess we're talking about 30% of those get adopted out, which actually is pretty good statistic. Yes. That's great. So now you were there, uh, neutering dogs,
0: Um, which, as you say, leads us on interestingly into today's topic on female neutering because it's not something that you... How do you feel about uh, spaying female dogs in the UK?
1: Yeah, so actually, funny enough, just to add to that, I was neutering dogs, but alongside a German vet, where indeed it is actually classed as mutilation in Germany to neuter um, dogs. So it was quite a bizarre thing that you've got two vets there doing something like this. Um, but in a, in, in a situation like that, it has to be done. It's for the well-being of the animal. So, you know, we don't consider age or where they are in their cycle because we can't do that in the uk we can now um i find the the term neutering your dog is helping with population control in the uk a bit of a silly term that's responsible pet ownership that helps prevent unwanted pregnancies and i don't feel that we need to necessarily have neutering as the only way of controlling population in the uk um Now, I definitely don't feel that it's a one size fits all. If we were talking about boys, it would be very easy for me. And I would say to you that under the age of five, I wouldn't even really consider it unless there was a screaming reason why. For girls, it is slightly trickier because we have instances of things like urinary incontinence, but that can increase the risk with having them muted. But also some of them are increased risk of developing mammary cancer if they aren't muted. So it's a very, very difficult topic. There are some dogs I think that really stick out such as things like the poodle, where we know that she's more inclined to develop mammary cancer and less inclined to develop urinary incontinence. And therefore we may be more inclined to spay her before the age of two and a half. But then we pick something like the golden retriever, who is a dog that can become an increased risk of some nasty cancers if she is spayed. But of course, then if we don't spay her, we have to look out for pyometra, which is a womb infection. So the girls are much trickier. And I always say to people, if you are going to keep them entire, you have to track their cycle. You need to know the symptoms of some of the common problems they may face. Otherwise, you're not doing the best job you can do.
0: You, just in that um small section, you have literally, I'm looking at my questions now.
1: <laughs> do you know, as uh, I was speaking, I thought... Oh, no. Am I going to answer all of her questions in
0: one hit? <laughs> no, but you know what? It's good. It makes my job easier. Um, but um, not, besides um, talking about these things, um, one of my questions was, what's a good age to spay your dog? One, it depends from what you've said. And yeah. two, um, maybe think before you leap or take action. Um, yeah. but, and what were some of the good reasons for spaying? And you talked about the risk of mammary cancers or reduced cancers in certain breeds. So <laughs> you literally
1: um, Answered that first little topic. But yeah. I can elaborate a little bit more on those. Because one thing I would say is yeah. one thing I didn't answer in your reasons there, or reasons not to. Hey, was Sophie, environmental hold factors. on. Sorry. I'm gonna interrupt because I'm just gonna let Stanley out of his cage because
0: he's starting to whimper.
1: Oh no. Now, the question is, does Stanley have his testicles or not have his testicles? Oh, trust me, he has them and he's not
0: getting rid
1: of them until oh, he gets a little more optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely ruin their self-confidence if you take that testosterone away. And and that's what I was going to say. You know, it's not just health, it's behaviour and environment. Should I let you let Stanley out? Sorry, I'm sort of just talking at you. And I <laughs> No, no, but you know I'm what? Relaxed again he's quiet again. So as well, long as you're yes, are you hearing the, him. No, I'm not, but I'm just thinking that maybe he was getting a bit edgy because we were talking about neutering, but now we've just we've just <laughs> informed him that he's going to be keeping those nuts. And so therefore he's now settled back down. So maybe that's it's what like, it was. Phew. He heard the neutering and thought, Oh my gosh, there's a vet on the line and she's talking about <laughs> chopping things off. Oh, that's so hilarious. Yes. yes. I'll go nuts. back I'll go back to my bone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's all good. It's all good. So, so now I was gonna to add to your your sorry I interrupted you, I was just gonna to add to your your question is that what supersedes all of this though is environment and I say to people if you have a dog in the house for example you've got a bitch in the house and during the times that she's in season she can't do doggy daycare she can't go out walking and perhaps um you know things are put off because she she's in season and that seems to be a big chunk of her lifespan you know she's got say a month of her life where places that she goes she's not allowed to go to as in obviously if it was your own dog you can find the appropriate places to walk but a dog walker for example might say I'm not going to take her as part of a pack and I understand that they have a business to run and they also have to risk assess things so if you felt like you can't get care for your dog every time she's in season then obviously that also has an impact on her health overall it's a bit like I say dogs with their testicles if if they're being refused by dog walkers and they're being refused by doggy daycare you maybe maybe going to have to potentially forego some of those health benefits and chop them off because they've got to, the life they have has got to be a good one at the end of the day. So I always put that at the forefront of everything and say, although we know there are health benefits to neutering and as many health benefits to keeping them entire, we do have to look at their overall life and what they actually do because we could make it worse if we didn't do it or did do it for one or, or another reason. Yes,
0: Definitely. Now you spend a lot of time talking when, when, when clients come to you and say, I'm, I'm wanting to get um, my girl spayed or uh, whatever. You spend a lot of time um, talking to them about that um, and asking
1: questions. Why do you do that? I guess a couple of things, really. Obviously i sign an oath and and you know i'm supposed to be doing my best for that animal's benefit and i am there solely for the animal um and so therefore i have to make sure that before i make something that is not reversible happen that it is the correct thing and that the owner completely understands what they're walking into and that it just because traditionally years ago and still now to this day we just neuter everything because that's what happens in the uk that's what happens in the us i mean they even you know we're we both neuter around 87% of our animals, which is huge, Uh, you know, those traditions have changed. It's not, and also timing, timing has changed. You know, in the past, it was always typically three months after their season, they are spayed. We now look at that as being four months after their season, as we risk the hormones not having dropped to their appropriate levels. And if we spay them at the wrong time in their season, we risk them developing lifelong problems which is also known as a persistent phantom pregnancy so it's very important that that conversation happens and that I'm very you know if if someone says okay here here you're presented with a two-year-old dog which great she's had at least one season I don't like spaying them pre-season I'm not gonna lie Uh, it takes a lot for me to do that and it's usually because an owner perhaps has lots of entire males and can't do anything with her when she's in season or there's maybe a clinical reason a health reason that I'm doing it like um diabetes but then usually that tends to happen during the season and it's usually older dogs that will you know show signs of diabetes when they're in season then I won't I I don't want to push to do that and I if they present to me to say this two-year-old dog she's had a season she's been Pretty sound, doesn't have any signs of um, phantom pregnancy. And of course, people think phantom pregnancy is all milk and big boobies. They don't understand that it can just be a shift in behavior, what we call um, covert. So, you know, it's not open symptoms like we would see usually. If I have to be confident, she's at the right stage in her cycle. Otherwise, they're going to end up with a dog that's potentially a bit unruly after being spayed, who, you know, may end up being in a rescue center because her behavior is deemed as difficult so there's loads of aspects to it i have to make sure that her behavior is sound i have to ask the reasons as to why they are doing it they have to understand that potentially some of the implications of doing that and um, both positives and negatives because i'm definitely not saying that everything should be kept entire i don't i don't feel that way especially about the girls and um, i feel more so about the boys that you know, more of those could stay entire than that are But they have to understand. And there's such, um, you know, people are very miseducated about it. There's not enough easy literature for them to to gain and to understand. Perhaps they just feel like because they've had dogs all all their life, they've always been spayed at nine months old, then they just continue the tradition. When actually medical um, facts have changed, you know, evidence has changed. We've moved on. Right. Yeah.
0: So if you're talking to a guardian uh, and there are people listening to this who have a variety of knowledge. Um, Maybe it's their first puppy. You had touched earlier on the need to understand a dog's cycle. Can you talk a little bit about what the cycle entails, how long it lasts and when does it start? Um, You mentioned the physical signs, but what else do we need to consider is happening to a dog during this time?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. So there's sort of four parts to her cycle, really. So With a a bitch's season, um, we call the first part um, pro estrus, and that's the bit where she's bleeding, and typically you'll see initially an enlarged vulva, so she'll look quite big around her back end, and then she'll start to produce a bloody discharge, and that can really vary in timing. So for some bitches, it can just be a couple of days, a few days, so three that she bleeds for, and for others, three weeks. And some don't follow the textbook at all and might bleed for more than three weeks. Although typically if it's going over four, we start to think "Mm, that's not quite right. But they could bleed for around three weeks. After they finish bleeding, within about two to three days, they release an egg. They're now ovulating. They are fertile. So it's at this stage when the bleeding has stopped, but the vulva is still large, that she is fertile. So when I see people with dogs that are actively bleeding and they've got them on a lead and they're worried that, you know, they can get pregnant and then they let them off after they finish bleeding. That's the worst thing you can do, because that's when she's going to get pregnant after she's finished bleeding. And then she...
0: Yeah. So when someone contacts their groomer saying, Hey, I've got my dog booked in with you and she's just finished a season. So they're all good. Um, it might be worth clarifying with them what they interpret to be season. Yeah. Because perhaps it's worth a conversation to let them know that it might not all be good
1: for a few days. Absolutely. There's a confusion on terminology. So pro estrus where she's bleeding isn't actually her season. Her season is estrus when she's ovulating. So that's really when she's in season. So when people say they've just finished their season, they usually mean they've just finished bleeding. But the bit that you want is when her vulva shrunk back to normal size. That's when she's finished her season. And the bit where after she's finished bleeding, but the vulva still stays large until it shrinks back down again, is all the time that she's at her most fertile. So she might be difficult as well. She might want to stand for a boy and she might actually try and get away, you know, escape. So actually, in terms of pet professionals as well, at that stage, they're at their most risky in every other way. So they can be that their are beha- you know it might be that behavior is quite difficult because, um, you know, they, they want to go and find themselves a boyfriend. Um, and you know, it's difficult if you've got other dogs around. They could be really, you know, seriously aroused by her. So it could create fights and all sorts of difficulties. So it's understanding first off that season, when she's in season, is when she's ovulating. So after she's finished bleeding, all the way up until the vulva shrinks back down, that's when she's been in season. Now that's that stage, that estrus or season stage can last for about three weeks again, potentially longer. And then we move into the next stage, which is called met that's the stage where she can display signs of a phantom pregnancy she might really be pregnant at that time but if she hasn't tied with another dog but she looks like she's potentially nursing toys got big boobies maybe got some milk my my dog actually she had her first season and had an almighty phantom pregnancy afterwards um it is kind of you know I knew she hadn't been around any other male dogs but you do still question yourself because she had these huge boobies and you know for a second I was like You haven't been out of my sight. You know, so I can understand a pet owner would doubt and think, oh, gosh, she's not really pregnant, is she? Because they can look very much that way. Uh, But she wasn't. And she didn't have any behavioural changes. But some dogs during that stage can be highly aggressive, Um, you know, very fractious. They might, you know, uh, sort of have a dislike. So I get some people say that when they're having their phantom pregnancy, they hate that they hate the three year old child in the house. And therefore, you know, <laughs> they could raise you. <laughs> well, you know, I guess that's why the when mm. the bitches live up to their names.
0: Okay. Um, but it's similar for of humans, course. right? When our emotions at certain times can just go crazy. Yes,
1: exactly. And it's unavoidable. It's not their fault. And it's just about recognising that. And sometimes you might not see any changes. So no physical, but she still might be a bit off food or she could still be very reactive. You know, I've got one dog that the owner says, I know when she's in that stage because she becomes really uh, reactive to black Labradors. I mean, it's a really strange thing, but she does. And as soon as she settled back down, she has no problem with them again. So it might be that you sit there at home and think, well, actually, that's really strange because when she's been doing that, you know, in that phase, she has done some, had some very strange behaviours. And that's what I'm looking for in a consultation. Have there been any shift in behaviour? Because if there is... I know that the hormone prolactin, which is the one that I don't want to be high when I spay her, is potentially high and it needs to be normal before I spay her. Otherwise, it will never be normal. And she'll always be in that horrid emotional state where she's not settled. We actually well, there is a there's a a behaviorist that dubs this um, condition as the silent killer. Like as in a, a a phantom pregnancy or a persistent phantom pregnancy. So if we spay them during a a phantom pregnancy and it persists, it gets dubbed the silent killer because some of these bitches go on and bite, and they get put to sleep, and they think now that the common ages around bitches around about the age of three lash out for some reason, cause a bite, usually in a child um and then are automatically euthanized as a result when actually it was if you go all the way back in history and look at when she was spayed she was having symptoms of maybe she did actually have some mammary enlargement or a bit of milk but the procedure still went ahead which meant that she was completely left in a horrible hormonal state Um, it's not her fault
0: and with regards to spaying what are the different types of procedure to consider For example, traditional surgery versus laparoscopic. What are some of the pros and cons?
1: Yeah, so there's, I mean, in the UK, we tend to do only two different types. We don't, as far as I am aware, there may be vets that are starting to do this, but we don't really seem to have anyone that's doing ovary sparing spays. So this is where the ovaries are left behind because then there's still hormonal um, influence happening on the dog, but there's no womb there to cause uh, a, a pyometra a womb infection obviously if the ovaries are still there it can still get mammary cancer can still get ovarian cancer but they cannot get a womb infection so that's the major reason behind that so for those people saying I want to keep the Easterns you know I, I want to keep them there for my usually large breed dogs then that's what they will choose but that's a very much a, a bigger thing in other countries rather than in the UK in the UK, we either do uh, the method where we take the ovaries only and we leave the womb behind, but without the ovaries, there can't be a womb infection because we need hormones for that. So we the, leaving the womb behind is completely safe. It just means that you're taking less tissue and that can be done by keyhole. So usually we say large breed dogs do that. We have to make a tiny this – is, this is actually the way that it was done in Cape Verde for speed. So making a tiny little hole – right near the belly button, where you can then just literally pick up the ovaries, chop the ovaries out, leave the womb behind. She can't get pregnant. She can't get a womb infection because the ovaries have gone. So that's the keyhole.
0: So doing it laparoscopically, yes. there's no chance of pyometra?
1: No. The only thing you would have is if you had a really weird – you do get things like ovarian remnant syndrome, where there's a tiny – the the dog has got a weird piece of ovary in an, in an unusual place. This is a pretty uncommon – like you. Virgil rare actually occurrence or a tiny little piece of ovary was left behind. But that's this is so uncommon that no, it's, it's incredibly unlikely. So we just leave the womb, take the ovaries. It's done by keyhole and it means in large breed dogs where you usually have to make a, a bigger incision to get all the way because the ovaries are very far forward. And the cervix is very far back. So it's like from belly button to bladder. So although we don't make an incision that big, we do need quite a lot of access there if we're opening them up, because obviously things can be quite tight and you don't want to be pulling and not seeing, you know, what you're, lo- you're trying to pull up because you could end up causing a, a major issue. So we can go all the way back to the, the cervix where we need to cut. We can only do that with the traditional spay with keyhole they tend to say just take the ovaries the incision is tiny but the incision for small dogs is small anyway so often if they're under 10 kilos there's not much benefit of having a keyhole spay really it's normally for those that are kind of 10 15 kilos and beyond and if they're incredibly active because they recover faster from an ovary um, removal spay or you know lacroscopic spay
0: okay cool and after being spayed how long should the bitch be kept calm and rested
1: it's a good question because if you think about it it always makes me laugh actually with dogs so i always think imagine if we had that surgery we'd be told we couldn't do anything for six weeks um and i have owners that literally after two days are like right well can i go back Can i let her jump in the boot no stop um usually we say majority of healing is done by 10 days but for stitches if you wanted to be in the really kind of you know there's definitely tiny, if not any chance of anything happening, you would leave it three weeks. So that would be I often say that to people that are grooming um, and perhaps doing daycare if they feel there's a lot more activity going on. If it's a dog just going out for a dog walk with a walker, they can control the level of activity. So that's kind of easier to control. But if you feel like the, the, the area is going to get really wet or a lot of moving around, then three weeks to be absolutely 100% sure but usually by two weeks the chances of a post-op complication is very low but we say 10 days keeping it very relaxed after 10 days we can go back to a bit more activity but really if you want to be super super sure you would give it three weeks um but you could still walk in that time just don't want to get them wet or let them be jumping around running upstairs which I don't like anyway because it's not good on their joints so um but, you know, I wouldn't want them chasing a ball. Again, I don't particularly like that either, but I wouldn't want them doing activities like that for at least three weeks after they've been neutered.
0: Okay, makes sense. I have one last question for you that's topic related. Yes. When it comes to grooming a female dog in season, what's your preference? Groom when bleeding or not bleeding?
1: Groom when they're bleeding. Now, that's the reason I say that is because... OK, so it's not to say she couldn't get pregnant when she was bleeding. OK, there's an example of if she's right at the last couple of days of her bleeding cycle and she did happen to tie with a male. Usually she's not interested, but if she did, sperm can hang around for quite a few days. So technically, there's a small risk she could get pregnant. However, you've got control of that in a grooming salon. You don't need to have an entire male and an entire female in at the same time. Now, when she's bleeding, obviously, she might leave a a good old nice smell behind. So it might it might upset some of the other male dogs coming in. But remember, not every dog has a sexual drive. There's a lot of them that just don't care. Like you know, they just could be stood next to a bitch in season and they couldn't care less. So you can't guarantee that every dog's going to suddenly start going wild because you can smell a bitch in season. But when she's bleeding, chances of getting pregnant are less um I don't know if I'd want her when she was really fertile just for the worry that is she going to be very difficult to handle and I wouldn't really want her whilst if she does have a phantom pregnancy because she could be really stroppy and it's a conversation I think to have with each individual dog owner so I would say if they say oh no she's never had a phantom pregnancy we've never had any problems then perhaps leave her till after she's the vulva shrunk back down to normal and groom then if they say yeah she's very prone to phantom pregnancy she gets quite stroppy she's quite difficult then do her when she's bleeding, but just don't do her when she's in her fertile stage. I just would not do it then. And just to throw in, there's a big myth that always goes around that if you groom a bitch who's in season, you can increase the risk of a womb infection. This has gone around for many years and it is a complete and utter myth. It is not true. You have no bearing over whether she gets a womb infection or not. That's her own immune system. It's nothing to do with what you do. Perfect.
0: Now, I promise my very last question before (laughs) I run out of time. Sorry, I know I'm a chatterbox. <laughs> no, I am too. And that's why I set myself a time limit. If you were a dog, what breed would you be and why?
1: Oh, oh, oh my gosh. That's such a difficult question because previously I would have answered that. Actually, no, I'm going to go with my breed, one of my breed of dog. And she's a hunter which, and the reason why I love a hunter they're a New Zealand cattle herding dog, but They're so fun. Like she, when she goes out on a walk, she just takes everything in, which I love. You know, she's not like what we do. I couldn't imagine her as a human on her phone whilst walking along. She's actually looking around, looking up, seeing what's going on. She's She's present, excited by stuff. Yeah. She just loves life. So I'd love to be like her. She loves people. She loves saying hello to people. She's sociable which I hope that I am too, actually. I, see- I was going to say, I think you're already. Like- yes, but I need to be more like her out on a walk. She looks up, like she sees what's going on, rather than what a lot of us do, which are either looking down or looking at our phones and not really taking it all in. She takes it all in. And I love that about her. And she's content. She's not anxious. She just seems happy with life. Um, yeah, she's probably the, the the most kindest, knowing dog that I've ever that ever had.
0: And what's her name? She's called Jelly. <laughs> oh my
1: God. <laughs> it was just because when we picked her up, she was petrified. She was shaking like a jelly on the oh. way home. Now you wouldn't know it. Confident. I introduce her to dogs that are anxious because her body language is beautiful. And they often, if you've got a scared dog, I say, meet Jelly because she knows how to communicate well. She's got good doggy etiquette. Um, she knows when to back off. She knows when to say hello and she knows how to give confidence and they all said that when she went to puppy classes they were like she is the weirdest puppy because it's like she just knows and I was like she's always had this strange sixth sense well maybe she should come and meet Henry and Stanley at some point (laughs) oh she probably she would love to and what I love as well is that if I because I've got two chihuahuas if one of those is gobbing off she goes over it's almost like she's their mother stop it now like she sort of tells me i "I want to play with this dog you're ruining it for me so stop it and so if if she was talking i swear that's what she would say and they just sort of stand there like okay and then she goes and has (laughs) her fun It's, it's she's amazing incredible dog oh that is wonderful Well,
0: thank you, Sophie, for doing this. I could talk for hours, but I'm going to quickly whiz (laughs) through this outro. Many thanks to you, listeners, for joining me for this episode of the Happy Henry's Woof You podcast. Don't forget you can learn more about today's subject, plus lots of other amazing topics that are just as important for guardians and groomers at animalloveonline.co.uk. Woof You is hosted and produced by me, Victoria Shepherd. Find the Woof You podcast on Apple Podcasts and the Happy Henry's website, happy-henrys.co.uk, where you can stream and download episodes as many times as you like. Please do subscribe, review and rate until your fingers and paws fall off. The only way I'm going to improve what I do for you is to get your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics of discussions or people I can meet from anywhere, reach me through the website, or our Facebook and Instagram pages at Happy Henry's Dogwash. Thanks again. I'll be back in a few weeks with another brilliant guest. Take care.